1: brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again everyone and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me as always is senior writer Jonathan Strickland.
0: I've got a hole in me pocket. <laughs> I like that one. Yay! So, oh, you might hear some giggles in the background. Just ignore that. That's our that's our uh, uh, our podcasting sprite who is joining us today. Yes, yes. Because it's a magical time of year. We're, we're <laughs> recording this just before the new year.
1: Yes, that's true. Actually, uh, it's right after the holidays and the aforementioned sprite, uh, actually has a bearing on what we're talking about because, uh, this, the, the sprite in question would be my daughter and, uh, she just received her very first
0: iPod. Yeah, and we wanted to talk today about the iPod. This actually comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Nick, and Nick says, Hey guys, I love your podcast, and I've been a loyal listener for a long time now. I really think that you guys choose good topics, and I really like that you always release episodes on time. Thanks, Nick. We like that too. I was wondering if you could do a podcast on the history of the Apple iPod line, or for another idea, you could do a podcast on how Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Game Center work, and how they compare. These are just a few ideas, and I would love for you to do one. Either way, keep up the good work. Sent from my iPod. So we decided we were going to tackle the iPod today and kind of talk about its history and, and its place in technology. Of course, there's no denying the iPod has taken a prominent place in technology today.
1: That's true, but it wasn't uh, wasn't the very first MP three player Not on the market. At
0: all. In uh, fact, it, it it was relatively late to the game.
1: Mhm. That's true. Um although a lot of people think the very first MP3 player was uh was from a company called Diamond.
0: Oh yes, the Diamond Multimedia Rio PMP300? Yes, that was not the first. Shut your mouth.
1: Okay, but it's going to be a really <laughs> boring podcast. Um <laughs> uh, no, it was the uh the MP3 man. From uh, Sehan, which was actually uh, launched in Asia in the late spring nineteen ninety eight, I found that out from Elliot Van Buskirk at CNET. Yes, who um,
0: uh, then moved on to write for
1: Wired. Indeed, um, it was actually released in the United States by Iger Labs. The MP Man F ten and F twenty uh, again nineteen ninety eight, and
0: just a scant few months before Diamond released the Rio here in the United States. There was also, before that, in 1997, there was a device called the Listen Up Digital Audio Player, but you can argue whether or not that truly fits the MP3 uh, player model. It was definitely a digital audio player, but I would say that uh, the MP Man and the um, the Diamond Multimedia Rio, those are probably more traditional MP3 players the way we think of them. Uh And so, so you guys know, do do you, did you happen to see how many, I I had to look this up in another source, did you happen Mm -hmm. to see how many megabytes of music it held?
1: Yeah, it's funny, you you should say that megabytes. Yeah,
0: not gigabytes. No,
1: no, we're not talking about gigabytes.
0: 32. 32 megabytes, because these were, these were flash memory based. And at the time, when they were released, flash memory was still very, a very young technology Mm -hmm. compared to hard drives. But uh, no one had really, Invested in making a hard drive version of an MP3 player.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was also an expensive technology. Yes. Uh, compared to what it is now, you can go into uh, a <laughs> go into convenience stores and pick up a gigabyte thumb drive for you know four or five dollars now. Yeah. Uh, I may be exaggerating, but not by much.
0: Well, let me put it this way: when you go to something like the Consumer Electronics Show, a lot of them will put their uh, press kits on digital formats on a thumb drive and. The average size of those thumb drives, I would say, is two gigabytes. Yes. Uh, so these are companies that are, are creating hundreds of these to give away to vendors and the press. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly not as expensive as the old ones.
1: That's true. But uh, so so the MP3 player, as it was before the launch of the iPod, was uh, a very small device as far as storage Goes. Yeah, there was um, although it was you know in general solid state. Yes, um, so that seemed very uh, very high tech. Um, they also sort of resembled the uh, the cassette players of the time.
0: Yes, they were a little clunky. They had a lot of buttons. Uh, I will say that I, I in my research I did uncover one um, hard drive MP3 player that predated the iPod. Oh, uh, it was the. Uh, Hango slash remote Solutions portable oh. jukebox PJB-100 which was uh released in 1998 actually and it could hold up to 6 gigabytes of music but that was mainly uh limited to to Asia there wasn't really there wasn't an attempt to break into the the western market
1: yes that's actually funny that you would say that because uh that sounds sort of foreign but it kind of wasn't because uh Van Busk points out that was actually developed by Compaq. Yeah. Uh, but licensed to uh, Hango, which was a Korean company. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point, you know, as a matter of fact, when Hewlett Packard acquired Compaq, mm-hmm. they licensed the iPod.
0: Yeah, it's so kind of funny. they had the tech. It's funny that they could have gotten a jump on the market in the United States. But, of mm-hmm. course, there was no way of knowing at that time. No, no, not so at all. So, why would Apple. A, a company that at that point was known mainly for creating computers uh, that did try to do some personal electronics that, to one extent or another, did not work out so well. No. Newton, I'm looking at you.
1: I'm sorry. Did you say Pippin?
0: <laughs> so why? what what would lead them to invest in creating a, uh, a, a digital music player? Actually,
1: uh, it, it's funny, too, because it wasn't really Apple's idea. According to some of the information that I've read, the, the idea came from outside the company.
0: Yes, from indeed. a uh,
1: from a guy named Tony.
0: Yeah, Tony Fidel mm-hmm. or Fatal. <laughs> I'm going with Fidel. I would say that. F A D E L L.
1: Yep he uh he had worked with Phillips in the past and with General Magic, mm-hmm. um but basically was pitching the idea of. I don't know, an MP3 environment, a music player, and something where you could get your music from your computer to the MP3 player. Yeah,
0: he was looking at an entire ecosystem, everything from the software that would live on your computer, that would organize your music and let you put it into different formats or, or different playlists, that kind of thing. And as also a, uh, a device that you would store that music on and you could play it back later. So he was definitely looking at the big picture, and mm-hmm. he thought that no one had nailed this. People had created some devices that you could put music on, but no one had really taken the model so that it had everything encapsulated in one big package. And so he actually shopped this idea around to several companies.
1: Yes, including a couple that probably were kicking themselves years later. Uh, Real Networks was one. Um, Real being famous for providing uh, computer software that would allow you to play streaming content, uh, audio and video files on your computer. Um, They were looking at the Rhapsody music service, which still exists in a form or two. Um, But uh, also, Phillips, his former employer, uh, known for consumer gadgets of all different kinds. Um, You'd have thought that one or both of them would have been interested in the idea of coming out with something like this, but they weren't, and he turned to Apple instead.
0: Yep, and strangely enough, Apple at that time said, this sounds interesting. We are going to invest in it. and Essentially, Fidel got hired to work on this project. He was assigned a team of about 30 people from Apple. He also had a a company called Portal Player Mm -hmm. that was uh, helping, um, and there there were about 200 or more people at Portal Player who were also working on this project. Uh, And then as the project went on, as they began to develop what would eventually become the iPod... A certain Mr. Steve Jobs got very involved mm-hmm. in the process uh, to the point where uh, I-, I saw it described as being 100 percent involved, that it became almost a daily uh, activity for Jobs to check in on the project to and to give notes, which essentially said, it's not loud enough, make it louder, <laughs> uh, which I saw was attributed, according to one writer, to Jobs having uh, some um, hearing problems which is why the which is why the the ipod is louder than some of its uh uh, some other mp3 players why the settings go this one goes to 11 yeah it's one louder (laughs) but um yeah there was another fellow who was very likely heavily involved in the design of the ipod the physical design oh yes jonathan ive Mm -hmm. who is the uh the he's a senior vice president of, of, uh, design over at Apple and, uh, has had a hand in designing all sorts of Apple products. When, when we sit there and talk about how Apple products are really sleek and beautiful and Mm -hmm. they have great lines and, uh, you know, even the whole no buttons thing, we can, we can thank Jonathan Ive for a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, Steve jobs as well. So jobs and Ive together, they really shape the, the way things look coming from apple
1: yes indeed
0: so this um this project that Mm -hmm. goes on uh it actually comes to fruition uh and in late 2001 um actually uh, october 23rd 2001 the first generation ipod debuts
1: yes yeah on the 23rd they had uh the first generation ipod now when they announced this um apple had rented uh presentation space in California, Mm -hmm. and basically all they had told the media was, hey, we've got a
0: big announcement coming, and it's not going to be about the Mac. Yeah, it was really, really secretive. In fact, they were so secretive about this that even within Apple, people were not allowed to look at this. That's right. It was only the design team that had any access to what it looked like, and if anyone was going to test it, anyone from outside that team... They would have to go into a room where the iPod would be kept in a box that had only a couple of little windows and access points for you to kind of poke your fingers in and and push the different buttons and and to to play with it without getting a full look at the device. So no one from outside that team would be able to describe what it looked like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a great, great design method.
1: So, yes, uh, the first generation iPod, um, there were two versions.
0: Yeah, the first one only could hold hold 5 gigabytes worth of music. I say only, but really when you think about it, competing MP3 players at the time were between 32 to 64 megabytes. So 5 gigabytes was quite a lot.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the big selling points. Um, Of course, it it didn't achieve this with uh, flash memory. It used a physical hard drive. Yeah, it had a a mini hard drive inside it. A very small hard Mm
0: -hmm. drive. And then uh, the the later one that was added was uh because the very first one was 5 gig- gigabytes it was shortly followed by a 10 gigabyte model mm-hmm. but otherwise had the same specs uh and uh, this one this iPod was a little different from uh, all future iPods mm-hmm. uh do you want to talk about the 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 interface that was so uh that's unlike all the other iPods yes this
1: this particular iPod um had a mechanical wheel that you would use to scroll through the songs now um that actually the the interface was one of the things that set the ipod apart from its competition because if you'll remember when i mentioned it a few minutes ago um everybody else was still stuck in the old-fashioned using buttons for play fast forward and rewind
0: yeah it was it was making navigate it was hard to navigate long playlists It was really tedious to use that kind of Feature
1: and especially when you're talking about uh, a player that could hold you know thousands of songs, right? In comparison with the older ones, you were going to be spending a lot of time just skipping mo- yeah, songs. Skipping songs. Yeah. So they they wanted something that they could use, and they they came up with the scroll wheel. But this was a mechanical scroll wheel yeah, so instead of later turned. editions where you used uh you know we'll get into that in a moment, yeah, but the tactile, a touch yeah a touch scroll wheel. Um, and it did have a, a ring of buttons. Yep, um, you know, for the menu uh, and for forward and back, uh, that surrounded the outside of it, and of course a black and white screen. Yep, uh, use the old Chicago font for those of us who uh, are uh, long longtime. I was friends. wondering if you
0: were going to go with the fonts too. Well, I actually, actually had that. Writ- I had that written down as trivia at the end. Yes, <laughs> you, you, you scooped me, Paulette. You scooped me. You know, it happens. Yeah. And
1: it used a FireWire as yep. far as the interface goes, so you could hook it up to your uh, your Macintosh computer. In fact,
0: that's all you could hook it up to. It was not Windows compatible. That is correct. The very first iPod was only compatible with Mac computers. It used the FireWire cable to sync and to charge. It had an ARM processor, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the operating system was designed by a company called Pixo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the do you know how much it originally cost? Uh I believe it was was it four hundred dollars It was four hundred dollars four hundred wow. smackers for this thing and uh and so the very first iPod you can't really call it a runaway success, although it did definitely make a huge impression on everyone at the the event because no one knew what was coming and yeah. no one no one really thought of Apple as a music company right you know today it's hard to think of Apple as a computer company. Sometimes you think of it as a music company.
1: Well, of course, it's changed its name since then too, since its success in portable electronics. Now Apple is not Apple Computer; it is Apple Inc. Right. Uh, also, of course, uh, there was something else that we have mentioned a few times in the past, that being Apple's uh, feud with Apple Corps, yeah. the Beatles company, um, you know, over uh, its music. Capabilities, of course, uh, they they were butting the two companies butted heads for a while about whether or not they were allowed to uh, to play music on a Macintosh computer or any of the other Mac or the excuse me any of the other Apple computers. Up until that point, that is where uh, it is famously said the "Sosumi" uh, sound came from, right? uh, Error sound, Um, but yeah, so that that was one of those things. I mean. You know,
0: Apple, a music
1: company? No.
0: Yeah, and and the iTunes version they had at the time, which was iTunes Mm -hmm. 2.1, it was really a music management system. It wasn't designed to – you you couldn't purchase music. There was no music store at that time.
1: No, no. Uh,
0: So you would – you used it to – manage your music, but you didn't use it to acquire music.
1: Yeah, that was that was one of the things that uh, Fidel didn't know when he came to Apple was that uh, Apple had already purchased a company that made uh, a software called SoundJam. And those of us who are uh, fans, longtime fans of another, at that point, competing company, Panic, uh, they make really awesome uh, Mac software. They made a, a program called Audion. Which was uh, in a feud. They, they were the two big MP3 players for the Macintosh at that time. There were others, but those were the two big ones. And um, a lot of people were kind of upset that SoundJam ended up getting purchased by Apple. But uh, that the acquisition was actually kept quiet, and SoundJam became what you know became iTunes in its later incarnations. Um, but it was originally a, a very uh, simple management program and, and music player for the Macintosh.
0: Right, and then let's uh, let's skip ahead a little bit. On July seventeenth, two thousand two, we got the second generation of the iPod. Uh, now, this one came in ten and twenty gigabyte versions. Twenty gigabytes. Yes, and it worked with Windows uh, to some extent. There was a, a new scroll wheel. It was the tactile scroll wheel that we're familiar with now. It's not no longer mechanical. Now it's like the touch screen type. No, well, not touch screen, but the tactile. Like the touch pads you would find on laptops.
1: It's a capacitive uh, yeah. capacitive touch surface. Right. Um, yeah. And that was that was what you were familiar with. Now, the look seemed pretty similar. It still has the ring of buttons around there. It still has the black and white screen with, with Chicago.
0: Still uses FireWire, although mm-hmm. you can get an adapter to work with PCs. And uh, it also, on PCs, it did not use iTunes because there was still no iTunes for PC yet. Mm-hmm. It used Music Match Jukebox instead. I remember them. So... That was, so you could still uh, – well, now, now they've opened up to a much larger market. Uh, it's still pretty expensive, mm-hmm. um, and the price will go down in the next generation, but we'll talk about why that is uh, in a second. So this was this was a pretty big leap for Apple, and they're now taking aim at a market beyond just the Apple diehard enthusiasts, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about the third generation, which comes out in April of 2003.
1: Yes, April 28th, in fact. And it, this one came out in, uh, in a series of sizes. Yeah. They, they released 10, 15, 20, 30, and 40 gigabyte versions of this third generation iPod. Um, the scroll wheel no longer had the buttons surrounding it. Yeah. In it fact, was... it, it had a series of buttons above the scroll wheel. Right. Uh, but it was still black and white.
0: Right. it... it... Fully supported Windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used iTunes 4.1, or early on, you could still use Music Match Jukebox, but quickly it became iTunes, uh, specific. And that was the only management software you could use to, uh, to, well, legally used, I guess you could say, or <laughs> sanctionally used yes. on your iPod. Sanctionally? Yeah, it's not a real word, but okay. that's okay. Uh, so it also, they, they switched, they changed up the battery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be a lithium polymer battery in the first two generations, but they switched to lithium ion, which sadly meant that the playtime actually decreased from the second generation to the third generation. It went from 10 hours to eight hours playtime. That's right. Uh, but... It, it, now it was it fully supported Windows, so you, you didn't have to worry about this kind of namby-pamby support. And also it had a USB syncing capability. Yes. Which, you know, that was the next big step was that it uh, still supported FireWire, mm-hmm. but you could also use the USB to, to sync it. Now – Also, uh,
1: if you just throw it in water, it'll sync by itself.
0: Right. Don't do that. They don't support it. If, you, if no. you get your iPod wet, you will not get it fixed.
1: Do not throw your iPod in water.
0: So – Right around this time in 2003, there was something else that was starting. It was a kind of a revolution in uh, in in getting information out into the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, it was this thing that was called. Eventually, it was called uh, podcasting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's what we're doing right now. But right around uh, 2003 was when Christopher Leiden uh, began to to podcast. Mm-hmm. Although at the time it wasn't called that; it was kind of called audio blogging or, yeah. you know, they had a lot of different words for it. Uh, Somebody
1: the, talking into a mic and then you download it and stick it on your MP3 player
0: Yeah, the earliest mention of the word podcasting that I could find came from an article in The Guardian called Audible Revolution written by Ben Hammersley. And it was just in a, was like, what do we call this, podcasting? I'd always heard it attributed to Adam Curry. It would not surprise me that But that doesn't mean that. that
1: it is, you know. That's true. That's always what I had heard.
0: It could very well be true. So at any rate, that also helps propel uh, the the iPod and MP3 players in general to even greater prominence because mm. now, now people are starting to use it for things beyond just managing music. Uh, so in 2004, we get a new product in the iPod line. Yes. The iPod Mini.
1: Yes, that's true. And uh, in, in keeping with the uh, still popular iMac series of computers at that point, which were coming in a different uh, uh, line of color, a whole range of colors. Right. They did that with the iPod mini as well.
0: Right. uh, Because the early iPods were only arriving in white that was the yes. only color that they they came in yes so the ipod mini gave a little bit of a splash of color uh they were of course smaller than the other ipods mm-hmm. uh that was also in the air storage capacity they could only hold up to four gigabytes of music that's still granted more than any of the flash based players that mm-hmm. were around at that time although by this time there were other players on the market that also used uh mini hard drives um you know like creative had come out with a few and uh, there were others as well yeah
1: i think it's i think it's uh worth noting that at at this point the iPod was Competitive, but not dominant in the market. I mean, the machines were uh, held far more music, but they were so expensive. I mean, that's uh, you know, at this point in 2004, when the iPod Mini was released, I started thinking about the possibility that maybe at some point I would actually go out and buy one of these things, but they were so darned expensive. Um, I actually had a a Sonic Blue, uh, they they were the company that had acquired the Rio. Uh, I had a Rio Volt. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those? Uh, I remember seeing them. Uh yes they uh they were CD players. Um so you could play regular CDs on them but they were MP3 players too. They could record a a uh a disc with MP3s on them if you rec- uh encoded it in a Windows format. If you uh, I don't think it would read Mac discs if I remember correctly. I no longer have it but um you could you know store it it was sort of uh, iPod like for me because you could store you know, however many CD uh, songs you could fit on a single CD, you know, 700 megabytes worth of music, that was far more than, uh, you know, the little pocket uh, flash players. Sure. Yeah. But it, it wasn't you, as much as like a, a, you know, 40 gigabyte. You
0: still needed a disc to drive. be able to play stuff. I mean, but, sure. uh, but yeah, it, storing stuff as a, as a digital file as opposed to the audio format. You, you could fit a lot more onto a CD. And you
1: could carry fewer CDs than you would if you had, a, say, a Disc Man. Yeah. One of Sony's Discs Men. Discs Men? Disc Men. Um, so you know, it was sort of a, in, in between. You know, I still was thinking someday I would actually have one of these things.
0: Well, and the price for the iPod was starting to go down a little bit just because they had, at this time, launched the iTunes Music Store, which mm-hmm. helped them generate revenue beyond just selling the devices so mm-hmm. by selling music they were making money well uh,
1: as, as it turns out m- m- the next one the ipod fourth generation black and white uh which released on the 19th of july 2004 was my very first and i still have it ipod i got the, the 20 gig version there is a 40 gig version that also came out um had a longer battery life yep they 12 amped hours it up to 12 hours amped it up <laughs> um and uh it was it was really neat except and i got it uh christmas that year so it was december of 2004 and i was really happy for
0: about
1: uh 8 to 10 months
0: yeah this seems to be a running theme with you and and apple products well
1: actually i think it's probably pretty safe to say with most tech products
0: but you you tend to adopt them just before they announce the next model
1: and the next model was a doozy. Yeah.
0: So you just talked about version 4, right? Yes,
1: the so, fourth generation iPod. So
0: the fifth generation iPod. That's what we're looking at now, huh? Well,
1: I'm thinking... Or
0: are you looking at the stuff that they released well, in between?
1: The the stuff that was released on October 20, 26th of 2004. Uh-huh. Uh, at least that's the date I have. But I remember it being announced a little later than that because that was uh, what some people call the fifth generation was the first color iPod. Uh, and it was essentially, it was called the iPod Photo. Right. Um, which was the first color uh, screen. And really, other than that, other than the size and the color screen wasn't a whole lot different.
0: Yeah, it, it couldn't play back video yet. It could do photos, but not video.
1: I was uh, so annoyed that it was a color iPod and I had just gotten one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and right around this time, actually, was a uh, real network enters the story just briefly again. Uh, they created a software called Harmony Yes. Which reverse engineered the fair play copy protection that Apple was using, so that it would allow uh, they could they could allow Reels a uh, Rhapsody music service to work with iPods, and then Apple released a patch that prevented iPods from interfacing with Rhapsody. Yes, and thus began the 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 stories about Apple and how closed off it was. But this was the idea from the very beginning. The idea was to create that music ecosystem, and part of that means that you control everything yes you don't let other folks jump in there
1: yes the itunes store now is one of the biggest if not the biggest uh music retailer uh, in the world um they sell millions and millions and millions of songs uh and now video and apps and all sorts of other things and part of uh their ability to do that hinged on you know having a device for you to use to play those songs
0: yeah now 2005 was a huge year for apple on the ipod line the ipod mm-hmm. shuffle first generation came out uh that one is the device that doesn't have a screen it uses flash memory um and you just uh it, it just shuffles your your playlist so you you know plays it randomly uh, it came in a 512 megabyte version and a one gigabyte version because it was using the flash memory it lasted about 12 hours of battery life Um, This is
1: the very first flash memory iPod, which the pundits had been predicting pretty early on for the iPod line. But this is the first time they actually got around to releasing one, which was four years after the uh, first iPod's debut.
0: And then a little bit later, you get the iPod Mini second generation. Yes. And then you also got the iPod Color, which came out in June of 2005. Uh, Then you also get the iPod Nano first generation. So the the nano was what released, uh, replaced the mini line.
1: It's mm-hmm. actually
0: kind of funny because the mini second generation came out February 22nd 2005. The iPod nano first generation came out September 7th 2005. So within the same year they introduced and then replaced a line. Of iPods, that's
1: pretty. Uh, it's becoming very, very common for devices such as these. Yeah.
0: So uh, the Nano had a color screen, uh, but the Nanos themselves were only available in black or white at first, which was kind of that kind of bummed out people who were used to the colorful Minis. Uh, then on t- in uh, on October 12, thousand five, you got the fifth generation iPod. Which uh that a lot of people talk about that being like the real game changer for Apple as far as yeah. design goes. Yeah. Um it came in thirty and sixty gigabyte versions. It lasted up to twenty hours on audio, but it also could play back video. Yep. Uh at this point they dropped the sync support for Firewire. It uh, it only charges now. You can still use a Firewire to charge your iPod, but it won't sync with your computer. You have to use a USB to sync it. Mm-hmm. Um And then uh, a little bit later on, they got kind of a a, a mini-update where the 60-gigabyte version was dropped and an 80-gigabyte version was introduced. But people sometimes call that uh, Generation 5.5. Yeah. Um, So that was 2005. In 2006, you see the second generation of the iPod Nano come out, and they actually have some uh, different options for... uh, for colors now, not just black and white. Yeah, the
1: colors are back.
0: Uh, still no video on that, uh, but it comes in two, four, or eight gigabyte versions. Uh, then you had the second generation of the iPod Shuffle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the one that uh, looked like kind of like a postage stamp. It had a clip on the back, and it let you clip to your clothing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, still no screen or anything like that.
1: No, that's uh, that's true, but uh, I believe that was the only one to actually have a clip built in.
0: And until, until later. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, yeah, that one had a clip built in. It was the first one and the only one at that time. Um, and then, let's see. Now I've lost my – oh, here we go. The iPod 6th generation. Now this is – uh or did I skip 2006 or did I just talk about that? No, we just did. Okay, good. When the uh, iPod Shuffle second I, This is what I get for generation. not wearing my glasses when I'm looking at my notes. iPod 6th generation in 2007, Uh September 5th. Okay, so now we're getting into the point where the, the previous year uh, they announced the Nano and the Shuffle on September 12th, 2006. This is where we're starting to get into that annual September announcement for iPod products. Uh, 2006 was really the first year where they really did concentrate on that. And mm-hmm. then 2007, they come out big on September 5th. They they released the iPod 6th generation, mm-hmm. which really just uh, uh, gets the uh, updates the iPod with 80 and 160 gigabyte versions. Otherwise, it pretty much stays the same. Yeah, The iPod Nano 3rd generation comes out. This is the first Nano that allows video playback. Mm-hmm. The iPod Touch debuts, the first-generation iPod Touch. Hey, hey, what generation iPod Touch did you get?
1: Uh, first generation. Yeah, all
0: right. So anyway, uh, first-generation <laughs> iPod Touch came out in 8, 16, and 32-gigabyte versions. This was the first, first touchscreen iPod. It was meant as sort of an alternative to pe- for uh, the iPhone for people who like the iPhone form factor but didn't want to get locked down into a contract.
1: Yeah, that, w- that was funny because at the time, in my, I, I made jokes that the iPod Touch didn't actually exist. That when you got to the Apple store and said, I want an iPod Touch, they'd say, well, you know, you can have an iPhone for just $100 more. And they would go, oh, okay, I'll do that. So yeah. they never had to actually show that they didn't have one. Of course, <laughs> it did exist, and I, I do own one, and it still, it still works very well. Although it could stand a battery replacement after two years, that's two and a half years. That's another thing. Year. That's
0: another thing that just a uh, just as a, a note, Apple does not let you replace your your battery. No. Not not on your own anyway. Uh huh. You have to you have to get service for that. Um. Yeah. That's one. Of, that was one of the big complaints people had about the iPod line sure. all the way from the very beginning was that you could not replace the battery. Okay, it's that so,
1: closed of an ecosystem.
0: Yeah, and we're already over 30 minutes, so we're going to zoom through the rest of these because most, most of these are just updates. We'll, we'll mention the the ones that have the really big changes. Okay. So in 2008, uh, September 9th, on 2008, they released the iPod Classic version 2 because mm-hmm. the sixth generation was technically the first iPod Classic. Yes. Uh, iPod Classic version 2, just it only came in a 120-gigabyte version, but otherwise was the same. The iPod Nano 4th generation, this was the one that was really tall and narrow, and you could shake it to shuffle the music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The uh, iPod Touch 2nd generation uh, added some stuff like the external volume control and external speaker. But other than that, there really weren't a whole lot of updates to it. Uh, and then, l- except I, I, I spent a lot of time complaining that I didn't wait for the second generation. Right, I remember that. And then, uh, they, in March of 2009, they released the iPod Shuffle third generation. This was the one that um, looked like a solid little stick of aluminum gum. Yes. And there was so there was no there were no controls on the device other than a nope. power switch. You had to control it using. Uh, controls on your headphones so you had to buy apple headphones for it yep uh, this would not prove popular and they would change that on the next generation mm-hmm. so then we get to the 999 event ah uh, yes september I 9th that. 2009 yeah this was a big one uh ipod classic version 3 comes out that's the 160 gigabyte version mm-hmm. uh You get the Nano Generation 5, which included the FM radio and the pedometer, and uh, and a longer screen.
1: And came in 73 different colors. And it
0: had a camera on the back, which allowed you to record video. But you know what didn't have a camera? Yeah. The iPod Touch. Nope. They improved the voice controls. That they did. That was about it. Uh, iPod Shuffle, uh, fourth generation came out the next year, uh, and uh, the Shuffle at this point takes the square form factor. This is the one that's current, yes. where it, it looks like a, a, a perfect square. Yep. It's got the control and, or the play button in the middle. There's still no screen. Uh, it's got the voice stuff on the so you can listen to it on the headphones. But they put the buttons back.
1: Yes, they did. And, they, and,
0: they realized people wanted to use their own headphones.
1: Yep. And they uh, they just updated the firmware on that one. That's the one that my daughter got for Christmas. And uh, uh, they just updated that so that you
0: can use the play button as a lock. Ah, and then they also, at that same event, they introduced the iPod Nano 6th generation. This is the square one that has the touchscreen interface. Very nice. That was very pretty, but it confused some people uh, because it, now the iPod Nano doesn't have a camera anymore. It doesn't have video playback anymore. Uh, but it still has the FM radio, and you can use it for data storage.
1: And it looks like it has apps on it, but it doesn't.
0: Right. It's confusing because it does have the little touchscreen interface like the the Touch and the iPhone do, but it, there are no apps. Uh, and then
1: the fourth generation iPod Touch with yes. the Retina display
0: and the camera and the camera finally and FaceTime capability.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It also used the same processor as the uh, the iPhone, the A4 processor. Yep. So that's that's kind of where we are now. We've got um, you know like the iPod Classic hasn't really had an update since 2009, and probably I I, I would doubt I doubt that they're going to update that. They, they'll probably Not still support it, but. You know, it's it, they're really pushing people for the iPod Touch for the for the flagship product. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, and the, the Nano and, the, and shuffle the Shuffle supporting it. Now, um,
1: oh, over the years, uh, many, many, many other people have entered the Flash uh, MP3 player market. There are tons and tons of people that, that are doing that, but they're mm-hmm. still... The iPod has come to dominate the MP3 player market, even in the face of stiff competition from companies like Microsoft with the Zune. Yep. Um, which is, you know, upgrading the Zoom with every iteration and offering new features. Now, here's a twist. Uh, Samsung, I saw the other day, is rumored now that as of this recording, it'll probably be announced by the time it actually goes live, uh, is coming out uh, or uh, is expected to come out with an Android-based competitor to the iPod Touch, which I imagine will be if it can run applications from the Android store, the Android market, uh, that will be serious competition for the iPod Touch.
0: Yeah, of course you would have thought that the Zune HD would have had some, some legs on it, but Zune just never really. I mean, it has its it has its champions, right? There are people sure. who love the Zune products, and it is a it is a nice MP3 player. Um, I, I haven't quite figured out exactly why it hasn't done better than it. I has. think part of the problem is that the Zune HD really really performs well against devices like the nano. Yeah. It's when you get to the iPod touch that you say, "Oh, well, this this doesn't really measure up to the touch." Mm-hmm. And there's not, you know, there's not a model above the Zune HD that really goes toe to toe with the touch. Yeah. That's what that's what I think an objective person coming at it completely without bias would say. Yeah. And and you have to understand, I originally I I did not want to own an iPod. Yeah. When I uh, when I got into MP3s, I owned a Creative Zen. Yeah, Zen Touch. That thing was a brick, let me tell you. It was like a, having a brick of lead in your pocket, but it held lots and lots of music. It, it had a much higher uh, hard drive capacity than anything Apple had at that time, and mm-hmm. it wasn't as expensive. Right. Uh, then when I got my Mac, I realized how awesome iPods could be, and the reason for that is that the iTunes integration with Mac and the integration with iPods, that, that works great. Mm-hmm. Uh, iTunes on the PC doesn't always work great right yeah <laughs> it doesn't I'd always work great on Macs either but <laughs> true, true but it, it's more seamless that way right so um but we're gonna wrap up but uh, you, you mentioned that the uh the ipod up to the fourth generation anyway used the chicago font mm-hmm. ipod minis used sb sans i yes the ipod photo up through the fifth generation ipod used a font called myriad Mm-hmm. And everything else except for the latest iPod Touch uses Helvetica. iPod Touch 4th generation uses Helvetica. N-U-E. N-E-U-E. Wouldn't that be Neue. Oh. So yeah. to all I of our N-E-U-E listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Oh, we this just is... murdered that word. We're going to – well, you know, it's <laughs> – Justifiable homicide, in my opinion. You put that many vowels together, it's it's just destined to happen. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap this up. We hope you enjoyed this episode about iPods. We'll probably do others on specific technologies in the future. If you have any suggestions or tips or you just want to share your own iPod story. You can let us know on Twitter and Facebook. Our handles there are h s w, or you can shoot us an email. That email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012
1: Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything.
1: Listen to
0: Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's brand new season two.